0: When we think about technology um, and, and humans, um, to find technology yeah. that helps bring people together.
1: Welcome everyone to another episode of WorkPod. Today we have very interesting guests uh, with us. So we have uh we have with us Mark Evnett, who is a VP of Semmel Media. We have Kathy Jeffrey, um, Chief People Officer at Peer Therapeutics. And one of the very interesting thing um, that that we find very exciting um, is to... So to, today's session is very, 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 very interesting. So we have two guests who are... So Mark is very, very heavy on engineering, coming to the people world. Kathy is uh, talent management uh, uh, culture and that side of the world. So we are excited for the session today because today we'll get to see two leaders coming from two different... Um, sides and and helping define the future of work with that uh kathy and mark welcome to the session thanks, thanks for to here. so let's let's start with uh, with kathy why don't you uh walk us through your journey uh, your background and 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 some context
0: okay great um thanks Vishal. Well, I'm i'm really excited to be here so thank you and and although Mark uh, and I have just met the last fifteen minutes, I think we're going to become fast friends uh, today. So I'm excited to have that I think lots of conversation around uh, our our passion topic. Um, and I would say for myself, I have you know twenty years experience uh, in people and talent. Um, so that's both on. Um, I, I consider myself a, a true generalist. So that means everything from. Um, employee relations all the way to strategic development, organizational development, um, talent management um, and and the like. Uh, so just a wide range of things that I've worked on in my career and so at this uh, point you know I, I my favorite is always uh, helping people um, to be better in their jobs and whatever that means to to you. it could be helping to develop um, different programs uh, in an organization around, um, how to how to, how people's careers can progress in an organization.
1: Fascinating, Mark. Hi, yeah, I'm I'm Mark Abnet. Uh, I
2: have a uh, unlike Kathy, a very non traditional background for somebody coming into uh, into HR. Uh, I actually, in college, I majored in physics because I wanted to understand how the world works at the most fundamental level, and quickly realized that the answer to that question was not in physics equations, but in people. So, after working for as a software engineer for a couple of years, uh, getting a master's degree in public policy and a PhD in engineering, I found myself in management consulting, where I quickly built a passion around. Uh, around organizational culture and the change and Specifically, I was doing a lot of transformation work as a consultant, process improvements and things like that in companies. And I was fascinated by the org side of it. What are the things that need to happen in the organization for the improvements to really stick over time? And that eventually through a number of, uh, of, of pathways, including some time as in academia as a professor, eventually found myself into the HR space um, initially through learning and development and change management, eventually into uh, into the performance management space, and uh, and currently broadening broadening the aperture and uh, and working on becoming that uh, that generalist like Kathy's.
1: Fascinating, uh, and 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 um, Kathy and Mark, uh, what does your company each of your companies do? So if you can walk us through uh, what what what's your day to day role look like, and what does your company do? And maybe Mark, you can go first if you want.
2: All right, great. So, uh, so Simul Media is uh, is we we are a data driven platform for uh, for video advertisers. Uh, we for most of our history, we've worked in linear TV advertising, um, we have a data driven platform that can predict where audiences will be. So, rather than rather than the legacy way of just putting putting ads out. So millions of viewers see it, and hoping you reach the right audiences, we can actually predict where those uh, where those audiences will be, um, and and that's kind of the core of our uh, of our offering. We're expanding into a number of different areas uh, now as well, all related to the video advertising space, and it's it's a really exciting time for for how we're growing right now as a company.
1: Interesting, and Kathy.
0: Yeah. Well, I work for paratherapeutics um, and we are an organization that really helps to redefine how human disease is treated. Um, so we started a new um, way of, you know, how do we look at disease and how do we treat it? With that, we, we there's this term that's coined as prescription digital therapy, um, which really helps uh, replace drugs. Um, and it's, creates more of a patient-facing interventions with, um, with technology, machine learning, and real-world data. Um, and with that, we as an organization have our first, second, and third PDT, Prescription Digital Therapy, um, in, the, um, in the market so that our FDA-approved. Um, they help patients that might have substance use disorder, opiate use disorder, and sleep insomnia. Uh, chronic insomnia, I should say. So it's the first um, ex-U.S. market authorization uh, through Singapore. Um, We have also just a a pipeline of different psychiatric um, modalities such as schizophrenia and depression, anxiety, um, some um, bipolar as well, and PTSD. Um, So as an organization, we're, we're Constantly looking and developing um, our technology, and how how are we helping? How are we helping the world and and our patients to um, to get better?
1: Wow, I think that's that's the that's the fascinating use of technology, and and, and thank you for for pursuing that. So um, this is a topic about um, future of work. So let's let's delve into and tease into that um, slowly. So what does Future of work means to you from your vantage point, uh, if you can, if you can help us understand that. And and Kathy, if you want, you can go first.
0: Yeah, um, you know, I love this question. It reminds me of you know how, as an organization or as a, as people in this world today, how can we make things better for for the next generation, um, as well as for everyone that you know is is potentially struggling right now. So the future of work to me is like, how do you keep things and make them simpler and uh, intuitive for people? Um, And I've always been a fan of like, give people the tools and the resources that they need um, and then move out of the way. So keeping in that same uh, vein, I would say that the future of work to me is around um, really looking at data, um, understanding, a little bit more around how, uh, how to do things better. Um, and also having the data help tell the story of, of, of people, of, of systems, of processes. Um, and on top of that, you know, really knowing that in this day and age, um, just in the last year alone, it's changed so many things in the way that people feel about going into work, right? And mm. now with so many organizations at a remote culture, um, you know, mm-hmm. keeping in mind that the future of work can always be, um, you know, it, it has to be in a hybrid uh, approach um, in many ways. Because there's not a one size fits all that as an organization, you have to look at, you know, your, your, your organization and what's going to fit with your culture, as well as um, how is that going to set you apart when you're trying to attract talent.
1: Interesting. Mark? Yeah, you know,
2: I see certain trends that are happening in the, uh, in the world. Um, some of them directly related to the future of work and some, and some of them not. But it all has to do with, with the, the progression of technology as well as just, just social norms and how people work. And there were things that were, that were already happening as we started moving, uh, as before COVID happened. Like, for example, having technology like we're on right now. Like this, that enabled it, and in many ways, COVID has accelerated uh, where where we were headed anyway. Uh, When I look at the confluence of of the the technology, the social norms, and just what people get out of being in person and working together, um, I'm seeing I'm seeing a a world where work is really more about more about where do where does an individual work most effectively and how do they work most effectively in a given context or at a given time. So when I hear about hybrid models in terms of will people be in the office three days a week or, or, or will it be five days or are you going fully remote, um, for me what I, what, I, what I hear from people is really around what is the work I have to do on a given day. And if I have a highly collaborative day and I'm going to be workshopping in a whiteboard with, with several people, then I need to be in the office and in that collaborative environment. And if I'm going to have a heads-down day and I need to not have distractions, you know, the, I think that there used to be a belief that, hey, we need to do that in the office because you have too many distractions at home. And I think what the world has learned in the last year is actually... Uh, you don't have necessarily have those distractions and we can trust people to get the work done. And if you have that heads down day, it might be more productive to, uh, to, to do it at home. Uh, but it's, it's, I don't think it's a matter of, of are we better remote or are we better um, in the office? It's, it's a question of what, what work you're actually doing.
1: That's that's a very good point. So, um, so Keti, I think one thing that I I, I found fascinating. Um, so, your company does deal with um, using technology to treat very um, high-touch, um, basically um, issues or disease, right? So. Yeah now if if and, and and when we talk about say these futuristic technology whether, whether it's zoom and and basically these are talk, all talking about having less and less touch points the physical touch points and using technology in the middle we are now on on a go to meeting and having this conversation at totally three 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 uh, different places if you connect these two worlds together what you are seeing from what your company is producing to what you are seeing in employees right how they are coping up over the last one year the touch points have incre- uh, decreased the water cooler conversations have only gone down so what walk us through what what what's your perspective on how how do you think um the workforce will do in this in this new age of more technology and maybe less physical touch points that we used to have
0: mm. well that's interesting that that i i actually believe that we're going to have to have some more touch points than less um that's my view. And, and, but maybe it's going to be done in a different way than what we're, what we're used to. So for instance, although we have three products, three FDA regulated products, um, these products also still go through a patient service center. So you still have contact with, um, with the human being, um, if you need it. So though, I think the way that we and other organizations are thinking about how do you, what do you describe as customer uh, success? Um, and how are you going to um, provide still that human element that's so important? I think 2020 was a big uh, indicator that the human empathy um, and and conversation and um, interaction is still needed, right? We have a lot of people in this world who... Um, who might be a little bit more isolated and that kind of thing, and and so really being able to figure out a way to bring everybody together using technology is really going to push the way that products are probably shaped more than anything.
1: Interesting. And Mark, what do you, what do you think? Like you, your technology, your company is it's the center of data. So you you your people are like more data savvy. They understand this thing. What has been your observation? Um, if you can walk us through that.
2: So I think I think Kathy's first point about needing more uh, more more touch points I think is 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 really true that that being being remote and separated from from colleagues doesn't mean you talk to them less it means you talk to them more. Uh, I actually joined simulmedia during the pandemic I started last July and I found it to be a, a, an incredibly Productive onboarding experience because I was able to make a point of, of talking to everyone. Actually, it's a small as uh, a small company um, So I think that that is uh, that is very real um, we are very much a, a, a Technology company first we play in the advertising space, but we have a tech platform um, a large portion of our uh, of our of our company is on the tech side and our tech side is actually leading the the, the effort and in collaboration with me, but working on on what does returning to the office look like? And we're actually we're actually having the, the engineering team take the lead on that because they're so they're so central to how, uh, how we work as a company. So they are sort of saying, okay, what are the needs that we have? Um, what, what's the working model that's going to work best for the, uh, for the engineering team? And then we're going to get that in place and then the, the rest of the company will follow suit.
1: Interesting. And, and um, this is the future of work um, um, context, right? So now if we say go back on an year, um, say early March or, or late February, future of mm-hmm. work had been in, in, in the center of conversation for last couple of years now, that okay, chip test technology is, uh, is now a lot more capable so we should think about having uh, basically redefining the work and now uh, with the one year of pandemic in the middle if if you if you um, help us um, walk through your perspective on what future of work really has ev- the definitions evolved for you pre to post pandemic right so what say uh, f- february and What does that future work mean to you as a leader uh, in HR space, and what it means to you now? If you if you both can 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 talk uh, briefly about us about that.
2: Yeah, we're I think we're we're touching on it from from both sides of it because, of course, like every every company thinking about how do we um, return to the office and what does the what does the future look like in terms of how people collaborate. But we were already on a path toward. Um, the way I think people thought about future of work before the pandemic, as you were as you were alluding to, which is really around automation, um, AI, machine learning. What does that do to the the, the products and services and the way people operate, and what does that mean for for jobs? So right now, although we have a, a data driven platform that helps us to uh, to identify what what uh, TV inventory, spots for advertisements, advertisements that we should buy. We still have a manual, a pretty manual process of doing the planning and buying and actually running the ad campaigns. And we're looking at building more and more automation into that. So, what that, what that means then is that our operations team that does the, the planning and buying um, will, the nature of the work that they do will be shifting and it'll be less less tactical and operational, more strategic and analytical, more focused on exception handling as that work comes in. So, so the I think the the kind of previous view of future of work, which still applies, is this idea of what's the upskilling and reskilling that needs to happen. I don't think jobs go away, but, but, but the particular skills people need and how they interface with technology will change. Uh, what COVID has done is also not necessarily introduced, but as I said before, it accelerated this notion of, of where do you actually have to be to do that
1: work. Fascinating, uh, Kathy, two cents.
0: Yeah, very similar to what Marcus said. I mean, I see, um, you know, the way that we're using data. So, for instance, a year ago, um, we were we, we didn't have as many uh, positions on the data, and just in mm. just in the last year or so, and we're getting ready. To post a few more positions, data engineers, uh, data analysts, um, to to really be able to look at the way that um, our organization um, provides it, insights um, to our payers, uh, to the to the folks that are um, helping to uh, bring our product uh, to fruition. Um, so it's really a great thing, I would say, around when we think about automation and and how that um, affects um you know the world um you know i think there's a bigger emphasis in it um, because a lot of people are feeling uh that that's that's the way that you're going to be able to um to continue to scale for organizations um there's a lot of whether it's your public company or private company startup or a fortune 500 right there there are growth trends that are showing that um the more automation that you can put into it uh the the better and then Hiring the people who can tell those stories or the people who can help make that automation happen um will continue to grow like I think that's uh, if anybody's in that industry or if you're just new newly grad graduate um it's a great uh time to be um, in that area so from a growth perspective, I see that the opportunities will be unlimited for people coming in
1: interesting yeah. and and one thing if if I can ask um uh, both of you so some of the surprises right so o- over the last one year when it comes to your ability or your organization's ability to handle this new sort of um external change that is heavily impacting the way every businesses are, are working today so what would that ha- walk us through some of the surprises that 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 are or, or some things that surprised you if, whether it positive or negative as, as an hr leader leading in organizations through this uh, disruptive times.
0: Are you talking about the surprises that happened in 2020?
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, let's, yes. So on, during the COVID, then we'll, we'll walk uh, walk on the future of work perspective. But, but yes, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, well, I, I don't
0: think that when we shut down our office uh, our offices on March 6th last year, we, did, we thought we were going to come back um, at the end of the month of March. We told everyone go home, take what you need for a month, and we're going to be back. Um, and then, you know, three months happened, and then six months happened, and lo and behold, it's been mm-hmm. a year. We just made our year anniversary in our organization. We we you know had a had a town hall meeting for, with all of our employees, and we um, we talked a little bit about not only the struggles that we had, but what were some of the joys that came from it. So, what what hobbies did you know, how did COVID bring people together? Um, And so uh, when I look at 2020, it was a tough year for so many people uh, and still is tough uh, going into 2021. But I think that the, you know, everything from the social uh, unrest to, um, you know, people and their families um, that have suffered because of COVID, whether they um, attracted the, the the disease, to whether they lost their jobs, um, or, um, you know, something about COVID made their life different uh, and and not as fruitful as it was prior, right? You, you're, everyone's limited now in what they do. So there's so many, so many different um, avenues, depending on person and how people are resilient enough uh, in some ways to bounce back or to adjust to it. Uh, there's so many different uh, things that happened last year that are really what I would say catastrophic for some people, and and others people are flourishing. So mm. it's a wide range, and I think as an uh, organization we look at that, and so internally we put in a number of things to help employees um,
2: during
1: these times. And, and Mark, for you.
2: So um, as I as I said before, I started with Simon Media during the uh, the pandemic. I could speak a little bit to how things were before, based on what I've heard and how I've seen things progress. But um, one thing that I, I think might be a little different: we actually we we did shut down the office last March. We actually reopened it in early July with very limited capacity. Uh, and basically, our our approach all along has been um, has been we want to make the office feel safe and comfortable for anybody that wants to come in, but we're, we're by no means encouraging or asking anybody to come in, and that's been kind of how we've operated. And I guess if I if I said any surprise that came out of it would be kind of how how well that has worked. That individuals that have chosen to have chosen to come in, uh, people who who live nearby, for example, um, you know. They they come in and it's and it's not a problem. It's seamless. And others stay home, and you know we we work virtually. Um, you know I expected some level of asymmetry when you have some people in the office and some not, and that may happen if we get back to a state where there's a few people remote and many people in the office. But you know the playing field has been has been sufficiently leveled with everybody kind of being remote. Even with a handful of people in the office, it hasn't really um, uh, disrupted things. You know, things have gone um, really, you know, really smoothly. To be honest, um, uh, what I will say is, we do believe as a company that we're we're better together, and we are moving more and more toward uh, toward getting back into the office. Uh, and that's something that we're 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 working through because it's it's very important to us that broadly we're 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 back in the office and working together once this is uh once this is all done uh but we're also very intent on ha- on on making sure that we can help each individual address um address any any particular concerns uh that they might have but
1: yeah that's interesting and um, so um Considering, so now let's get on, 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 the, on the good side of the conversation, the future of work, post-COVID, life is good now, uh, mm-hmm. uh, heading forward, looking forward. So if you look at um, the HR organization as such or HR um, uh, basically landscape as such, what do you guys think, how prepared is HR when it comes to understand, basically addressing the future of work challenges that an organization has to go through? Walk us through, like, what what's your what's your perspective on that? And and Mark, you can go first if you want. Yeah. Hmm.
2: You know, I don't I don't think anybody was really was really prepared for um, for what the world has looked like in the in the past year, and that refers both to the pandemic and something Kathy alluded to before around, uh, around around social unrest that we've seen more and more in the world. And it's really, the past year has been sort of game changing in many ways. So, um, so is HR broadly prepared? I, I would say no, you know, we're all, we're all still learning. We're all still, um, we're all still figuring it out. And even in the midst of trying to figure out what does the future look like, like in terms of post-pandemic and hybrid models and, and whether you're in the office, You add to that this layer of increased awareness around social justice issues and the fact that more and more people and more and more companies are really eager to to be a part of the solution and try to do what they can to address this and figuring out how to do that and how to navigate it, especially in the world we're living in where people can't be together to to, to share to, to share stories and take action and finding ways of doing that it's um it's it's, it's complicated and, and messy and I think all of us are kind of, are kind of muddling through and trying to, trying to figure out our way are we making progress absolutely um, but uh, but but yeah I mean I think I'd be um, I'd be disingenuous to say we haven't figured out.
1: Interesting. Kathy? Yeah, Mark Mark,
0: I think you said it you said it best. It's like we don't know what next month will will bring, right? There's the Brazil, Brazilian and South African uh variants that are running rampant now. Um we you know there's you know we can only hope that the vaccination will be um will be um, that enough people will will be motivated to want to get the vaccination so that we have more of a herd mentality around, um, around, you know, eliminating uh, this, uh, this disease. So as a, as a organization and as just as an HR leader, how that's changed my job is completely different where, you know, my job every day in before 2020 was around change management and now it's crisis management. Um, Still to this day, Um, and although it's gotten better than it was in March, April, May and June of last year, um, it's still it's still um, a lot of unknowns that are out there. Um, So for for myself, one of the things that I think that's really important is to ensure that leaders are uh, empathetic, um, that they are being um, thoughtful with their employees and whether it's a new hire coming on board. Um, or somebody who's been there and has been a little bit more senior that they take everybody's situation um, and, and consider it as an individual. Um, So you might have somebody who's a parent who has their own struggles with, you know, having to do homeschooling uh, for the first time in their lives to um, having people that are, um, you know, that are single and isolated in their, in, you know, in a small apartment, um, you know, in, you know, and that's difficult for for single people, right? So you so you just have a wide breadth of, of complexities around people and their individual situations that they're struggling with. So um, so the future of work is around understanding and being empathetic around other people and their um, what they're going through nowadays. So I think that's really key. Um, so any technology won't matter if you don't have the, uh, that. Uh, as part of your ability to really kind of understand people and what's going on now. But the great thing is you can use any kind of data that you have. So I hope that what comes from this is that we're going to have some really great HR systems because none of them really talk to each other uh, or work together. So it'd be great to have like better systems. How are we going to be able to get, you'll, you'll see a lot of things around, or at least I have started seeing things around getting employee sentiments. Mm -hmm. What's the mood of employees? Um, and so I think if we if we think about technology and how we can use utilize it as h uh, r folks is like looking at at that and, and really getting a pulse of of your employees and there's plenty of really great um systems out there, but I expect that there's gonna be a lot more that it will be developed over the years
1: i think that's a that's a very interesting point Kathy. so um I was talking to uh one gentleman a couple of days back and he's an h r leader for for for, for uh um, Large cap company, and and we were talking about the perception shift over the last one year, and what was and what is now, and and he was telling me that hey, um, in our chart, I never envisioned that um, as you uh, Kathy, you even said that uh, daycare manager, like um, having an employee understand how to ha- all these sort of uh, daycare management or or workforce uh, um, work stress, and then uh, financial situation, family grievances. And they said that those are a lot of things that we never used to think in a future of work context when we started uh, pre-pandemic. But today, lo- last one year, we had been dealing with an I think you put it up, put it up best uh, crisis management situation. Well, most of these scenarios are hitting to the entire organization, whether it's cultural context, whether it's socioeconomic conditions, whether it's um, social unrest, whatever we call it, and and basically it was very difficult for for one year to understand the center of gravity for an organization like what is going on what is a peace situation for an organization to work as usual so from from both of your point, vantage point when do you think uh standing today that your organization would be in a in a, in a reasonable state for you to start looking forward uh post pandemic saying okay now Let's focus on, as you said, change management instead of crisis management.
0: (laughs) Well, we're always looking for that, first off. Um, It's what are the opportunities. So I think what we have to think about is, you know, what are the resources that you're giving your employees? And so one of the, I would say a couple of them that as an organization, we gave our employees is uh, actually three, three different ways that we wouldn't have even probably have imagined before 2020. Um, we gave employees um, access to have coaching as well as therapy, um, you know, through through technology, um, and that they can select a coach online, whether it's through their phone or on on their computer, as well as a therapist. Um, it's directly paid for. It's covered. They get twelve sessions a year for free. Um, that is paid through um, the organization. It's all confidential. So that's when we use it. We use the service um, through an organization called Modern Health, um, which has been really, really great. We have pretty high utilization rate on that now. Um, we also have, um, at, from an organization uh, perspective, is we thought about parents and what are they going through. Um, this is new for everyone, and no one, no one expected to be, become a teacher, a parent, as well as a, a worker all in the same day. Um, you know, at the same time. <laughs> so. Um, you know, so we offered up um, a, uh, a tool called Helper, which um, helps the parents with finding childcare resources um, and also helps pay um, through, through that service as well. And just provides outlets for, for parents to find other like-minded parents and talk about that, those stresses that they have uh, as well. So it's a great platform that our parents are, are really uh, adapting now. And then lastly, um, because we, we are in the business of helping uh, t- serious disease, um, one of our products is a chronic, d- chronic insomnia uh, app, and that's called mm. Um And Somrist is, uh, for us, um, you know, I would say for me personally, I was their number one customer, um, you know, really a, a, an ability to help people who have had issues sleeping this past year it's um uh, myself you know i don't know how many times i i can't even count on on my hands how many times i i couldn't fall asleep for mm-hmm. the last year um and was unable to um and pulled uh one you know one nighters uh because of it so uh what somers has helped me do is like have more sleep than i've had in my entire uh life uh, i learned uh about cognitive behavioral therapy i learned about um you know just As an individual, like why how important sleep is um, to your mental health as well as your livelihood and how you function in your job, Um, and the importance of it is uh, really key to people. So, and to me especially, but we have a number of employees, and from from what I understand, there's a lot of people in this world that are are struggling with the same thing.
1: Interesting, Mark. Yeah, um,
2: you know I I think that uh, you know Kathy's point about about providing access to mental health services and things like that is really critical. Um, we have, you know, Teladoc, which is, you know, a standard uh, um, offering that, you know, that people can they can use and that, that our employees have access to, uh, to be able to see mm-hmm. uh, mental health professionals, et cetera, um, virtually. Um, the, on the point about, you know, <laughs> um, homeschooling and or, or, teaching people becoming teachers and how you deal with that, that's one of the issues that has been really top of mind for us, especially as we're thinking about going back to the office. And we have, we actually have a date in mind of July 1st to to, to transition back. Uh, that's going to be heavily dependent on on how the vaccine rollout turns out. And, you know, assuming everybody that wants to be vaccinated can by then. Uh, but, it, but, but assuming that we're, we're targeting July 1st to start making this happen, but for parents that have kids that are at home and have difficulty finding, finding childcare as a result, uh, that's, gonna, that, that's gonna change things for those individuals. Uh, when we look at the company as a, as a whole, uh, I love the things that Kathy mentioned that uh, they put in place. We're actually pretty small as a company and the perspective that we're able to take um, which I think is 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 great. Is rather than bringing in those those platforms, we're small enough that we can actually work with each individual on what are their, what is their specific situation and be able to accommodate each person based on uh, based on their particular needs. So if somebody does have kids that are getting back in school and they can't find find childcare. You know that that's fine, and they'll they'll continue to uh, to work from home longer uh whereas whereas others that don't have those restrictions uh will will be looking to come into the office sooner
1: interesting and
0: um <laughs> sorry and our very similar to marks in that respect we're calling it optional, right like we're we're giving the employees the ability to make a decision based on what their um, what their life looks like, and I think that's really an important thing
1: interesting and, and and now let's uh, talking about um, your core challenges today so if something uh, keeps you up at night like walk us through what are one or two challenges that that are sort of most pressing you as an nature leader for an organization today in today's time yeah
0: well my mine, mine is always around people um, I I would say everything <laughs> everything keeps me <laughs> up at night um but No, seriously. I, I started with Sommers in December, and I feel as if that that really helped me yeah. um, uh, in sleep. But to keep me up on, at at night, it's usually around, you know, how do we solve problems um, around people? And it's always that. Um, so whether it's you know we have to implement something um, to support people, um, you know, you know how do we bring the best. To, to everyone that that uh, can allow them to be able to thrive, um, so that's really where where I tend to not be able to sleep at night. Um, and so things like COVID, things like you know, are are people able to be productive? Are they? Do they? Are they happy? Um, it's hard. It's hard for for anybody to be happy these days. So it's you know, how do you help your employees? Um, you know, find joy in their day, even at at work when they can. Right. So we put a lot of things in place. Um, the other things, you know, with, with all the social injustice stuff last year, we built out a lot of, um, DEI, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, initiatives. And so, uh, that is, uh, you know, when it's your first time as an HR leader Mm. implementing those things, um, you know, you always worry about is, is this enough? What else can you do? Um, that kind of thing. So um so those that's also a, a topic that usually keeps me up at night as well. Um it keeps me reading, right? Because you want to keep continuing learning what other people are struggling through. Um, okay. I, I think that's an important one.
1: And Mark?
2: Yeah, I'm 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 glad you ended on that point, Kathy, because that's really if I'm if I'm really honest about the one thing that really, you know, keeps me up at night. You know, every everything has its challenges involved, and certainly the, the situation with the pandemic and, and getting back to work does. But as as an HR leader, the thing that really keeps me up at night is diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's it's how how do you do it well? How do you get it right? Um, and I think what's particularly challenging at uh, at, at Simon Media in doing that. Is that there's so much interest and so much fervor throughout the company, and everybody really wants to wants to make a difference and really wants to be a part of, of positive change in the world uh, to to really address these challenges. Uh, but the problem is that you know we we don't always necessarily know what that looks like. Mm. You know, so not just it's not just is it enough. But are we doing the right things? Are we focusing in the right way? We've done a number of, you know, we call them learning days, where we bring the, the whole company together, or smaller segments of the company, and have open conversations. And we've brought in outside facilitators to help guide us through those those conversations. We've put together initiatives, particularly on diversity hiring, as well as creating an inclusive culture inside uh, to uh, to to ensure that those people stay. But, but it's it's always this open question about, about you know not even like I said, not just are we are we doing enough, but are we are we even thinking about the the right things and, and probing on the on the right areas? And you know, and it it's just such a um it's so it's so easy to take something that is that's right intentioned and you know and, and to you know where strategy meets execution is probably more challenging in in the DEI space than maybe anything else that I've encountered as an HR leader.
1: Interesting. So um we as an organization, so we did, and 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 I'm glad we are talking about this. It's a very interesting topic. So, uh, in our radar, so we, we did a brief market research cool. on understanding some of the core challenges of of HR and and future of work and and sort of um, talent, yeah. um, and DEI became one of the one of the I think it's one of the top five. Um, it it shows up as one of the challenge there. But when we uh, looked at the um, what's out there today to help address this problem. Are we having enough support? And are we having enough outlets to, to basically bring the, um, the diversity and inclusion and those aspects out and into the organization? We did not find enough excitement on the, um, on the community side, um, not mm-hmm. enough platform that as, as so basically it's um, organizations are a lot more aware about the scenarios in, in that's in our, in our research then we found the equal um, communities that are out there providing this this services and facilities because i think mark you have a very interesting point that although it's it's high on high on uh, urgency but no one really knows how to go about it it's it's that that perception so from from your vantage point and kathy from your vantage point how to fix that? Like what do you see as as an opportunity um for the community to pitch in and and w- like what's your take if, if you can walk us through that? I mean Mark, you can go first if you want.
2: Uh, I was gonna say I was hoping that Kathy was gonna go first.
1: I don't, I don't mind. I'll go first. Um I you know, I actually do think
0: that there are people that that know this space so well, which is why I think Mark you referenced that you went through an outside uh consulting firm, it sounds yeah. like as well as we did, um, you know, you want to find the, the right fit for your culture. Um, and, and it's actually, I've never seen it done in any other company before. So for me, I, I love the fact of, you know, finding an organization like we did. Um, and there's, there's a lot of them out there, there's large organizations, and then there's individual consultants, um, that you can uh, find, um, you know, if, If you're an HR person listening in, uh, I'm sure you're probably already ingrained in in some of those connections, but there there are some really great ones out there. Uh, We just, as an organization, brought in um, a company called Paradigm to come in and help us with allyship. Um, Because what we found in 2020, um, you know, I helped lead a couple of discussions in 2020 around racism. And what we were finding is that employees wanted to know what could they do? How can they support? Other employees in the organization, how can they support people um, on the street that they pass by that they feel, um, you know, some uh, emotion towards wanting to support them? So as a company, we brought in this this organization to help us with a number of things. We kind of took a what I would say, um, like a four pronged approach around one, you know, allyship and really building on what that looks like um, so that people um, had some kind of tools and ideas of what that could be. Um, And then also just in a general language uh, uh, across the board and and what that meant. Um, The second would be around, we also, um, they have a great platform, a learning platform um, called Reach that um, allows your employees to go in. And they have over a dozen modules in there that you can read, your employees can take it at any given time. And so we have it for you know a couple of years. And so what employees can do is new hires come in if they miss the allyship training, um, they at least have this tool. Mm. Um, so that's one. The other is like we're doing um, across the board assessment everything in our organization from HR to engineering um, and really looking at everything that we do and, and how to make that um, how to make that uh, more uh, more. Diverse and inclusive for for our organization. Um, so that's recruiting and performance management, rewards and recognition. Um, you know, we're even looking at buying software that's going to help us with our job descriptions and how we uh, how we write those. Are they being inclusive enough? Um, so that technology, you know, that's when technology I love. You know, it allows you to be able to give it to everyone, and it really levels the playing field um, uh, for people because of it. Um, and then um, the other things are around, you know, um, making sure that your leaders are comfortable um, as well, or get them uncomfortable to become comfortable. I like to say, mm. um, so that they can start having conversations. Because we have a small HR department, uh, we can't do it all. And so, our the big part is like educating your leaders so that they can lead their teams um, is really key.
1: Great uh, point. I, I think that's <laughs> a very good point. So, Mark.
2: Yeah, no, I think I I think that's a great response, and I'm really I'm really fascinated by by all the great things you're doing. That's that's fantastic. I I, I love that notion of uh, the allyship, and it's something we've been we've been working on and uh, and talking about, um, hearing about specific uh, specific trainings that actually directly address. I think is going to be critical, um, and 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 it's something that, that that I I I want to kind of bring in house and it kind of it makes me think about one of the things that you know that when i when i talk to other hr leaders around what's important here some people say hey you got it starts with recruiting you have to get you know you have to get diversity inside because that's how you know you know you kind of get that flywheel spinning and you promote diversity by having by having diversity others say it starts with inclusion you have to create that inclusive environment so that you can not just attract diverse talent, but you know, create an environment that they want to stay in once they're there. And it, you know, I, the big challenge seems to be where do you start in that sort of back and forth process between the two of attracting, attracting, you know, really great diverse talent and and you know, creating an inclusive an inclusive environment when they uh, when when they're there. And uh, and that's kind of how we're we're you know thinking about where where do we do it, and we're trying to address both at the uh, at the same time. Uh, but frankly, like I said, we're we're figuring out. And Kathy, I'm going to take some of your uh, your points there. Uh, I think a lot of that is really great uh, great advice for an AHR leader and and how they're thinking about uh, um, implementing these programs.
1: Interesting. And, and and on on the DI front. So, what is something that is working for you? So, some some strategies, yeah. some snippets, some execution that you have seen generate success for you. If you can walk, the, if you can um, describe that for our listeners and viewers, so at least they know what you did and and, and you 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 end up getting some success if anything out of it. So, that will be helpful.
0: Kathy, yeah, you can well- go first. There's this saying that um, diversity is being invited to the party, and inclusion is being asked to dance. You think about that, Um, and a big part is around um, what I would say is like bringing awareness to people. What does allyship even mean? Like in some cases, people just think, "Oh, I'm you know having Mark's my ally." Well, Mark, Mark and I can be allies, but if he supports or, uh, in some ways, but if he just, if he's not saying anything in a meeting that we're in and, um, and not supporting me, then, then he's not really an ally. So how do you bring that around? And, and so we're teaching people, um, how to take the next step to be good coworkers, to, um, to really kind of support each other, um, and know that one person's day might be different than the next and to keep that in mind. So, so when I think about, you know, diversity and and bringing um, tools to people that are inclusive, that also gives them a sense of belonging, is really key. And so that's that's where I think where when technology starts to really um, do that, I think you know we'll see more of that. I believe in the next couple of years, and I'm I'm sure there's people that are thinking of all these great things that we'll we'll see rolled out soon. So.
1: Interesting, Mark.
2: So what what I, what I've seen be really successful is sort of grassroots efforts in the uh, in the company. One thing that I that I that I think was really great that happened at Simon Media not long before I joined was a group of employees, ten or twelve, which is more than ten percent of our company. Came together to form a committee. They call it the Idea Committee: Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Awareness. And it becomes an employee-led effort uh, around this with the people who are highly passionate about it. And what that group of employees has uh, has been able has been able to do. And of course, I've i joined it and uh, and helped to um, spearhead a lot of the initiatives since I uh, since I joined the company is. Um, Things like regular learning days, which I which i mentioned before, sometimes facilitated internally, sometimes with uh, with uh, an outside advisor that we uh, that we uh, that we work with, um, and those learning days really the things where we bring the whole company together to talk about these things. And yes, we break out into smaller groups to. Allow for everybody to be able to uh, to speak their mind, but just kind of getting that awareness out there and getting people talking about it and providing a forum for the conversation has been hugely successful. And I think one of the mechanisms behind that is we have we have full throated support from our CEO on this, and it's incredibly important to him that we uh, that we do this. It's it's very hard with uh, you know to to. Proposed to a <laughs> to to an executive, hey, let's uh, let's let's bring the whole company together for half a day to focus on one topic because people's time is so valuable. But on this topic, you know, we always have a buy in for that because it's because it's so important, and we do get such a great response from it, and it's it's doing a lot to build awareness. Where we come out of it on the other side is. So now, what do we do with that? We come out of it with a lot of energy and a lot of desire for people, um, among people, to take action. But then it goes back to, but what, what can we do now? And that's where, that's where the tremendous success of, of opening the conversation starts to lead to a new challenge of how do we translate this to action.
1: I think that's that's, that's beautifully said, uh, Mark. So um, uh, it, rem- it reminded me of a conversation. So um, about the failures of, of executing something like this, right? So I was talking to one of the leader about uh, walk us through some of the, some of your, ch- at least one or two challenge that you have faced in building. And, and they actually, so he was telling us about that. They hired a, a consultancy firm. They brought them on board. They gave us some recommendation and then our leadership was not ready. Right? So that the the, uh, the culture wasn't wasn't permitting many of these processes so there was a, like a, a, a constant back and forth with the leadership and it pretty, pretty much drained everyone out while they all were feeling the heat of not having a, uh, a good DIA program in place but it was very very hard to put this thing through. So if I may ask you guys um, to walk us uh, some of your challenges that you have seen um, or, or you are seeing, in executing your DEI, so others leaders can sort of relate with your pains. What would what would that be? So, maybe Mark, you can go if you want um, to walk us through some of the challenges that you are seeing.
2: Yeah, for me, I think it's the it's it's the separation between the between the near term and the long term. It's taking that 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 energy around around. Hey, we want to make. Big change, and we want to have plans for. You know, one one conversation we've been having a lot internally is is you know this isn't about one session. You know, you can't have one session and bring people together and talk about it and break and say, okay, great, now we're an inclusive environment. It's solved. It's all done. That doesn't work. Um, so you want to have that that longer term strategy where you're where you're looking at specific actions that you're taking. You're having the right trainings. You're focused on the on. On, uh, on, on diversity hiring, you're building an inclusive culture and you're having a series maybe of sessions that are leading up to real action planning. But when you take the sort of that long-term perspective and how do you do that and then the rubber meets the road against against energy to do something right now and, and a lot of urgency to do something right now, you start get, getting caught in this balance of okay, what we can do right now, you know, and I'm, this is real because we're actually planning a session right now that we had, candidly, we had planned a session and we decided relatively last minute to postpone it because we realized that we weren't spending enough time on it to do the topic real, real justice. So now the question becomes, okay, this is part of a longer-term strategy that we're really going to be focused on, on making change. But we want it. We want the momentum of you know, keep pushing forward on what we have. So that's what I've I've found to be sort of tremendously challenging is sort of how do you sort of balance the near term energy with the sort of thoughtfulness and intentionality it takes to do it right over the long term.
1: Interesting. Yeah, Kathy, about you.
2: Yeah, I, you know,
0: I love what Mark had to say. I, I, I'd agree, and I'd say that what, if you're thinking about, like, it's new, right, for many organizations. There's some that were, were um, a couple years ahead on the DEI space and bringing in training and that kind of thing. And there's no guarantee when you go through those trains. You don't know how it's going to land with some people. It could upset people. It, you know, there's... Um, in some ways, if, you know, if somebody says something that's that in their mind might be inappropriate. So there's a lot of nuances when it comes to people. And, and so you just hope that it's going to land and be, it's the start. That's how I think I feel. I don't know what pets are going to do when we go back to work. I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> it's, by
0: the way it's fun. So I, I, <laughs> he's really rambunctious today. So, um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I think for for organizations, you know, and and our organization in particular, it's all, it's fairly new. So we've just started implementing these since like around August of last year. So everything that we bring, people have been really appreciative. Um, Mm. And, you know, I think that, you know, there's more of that than than the opposite. So um, is it successful? I think it is. Is it enough? Mm. I never, I don't feel like it's ever enough. Like, I almost feel as if we, um, you know, what else can we be doing um, is always, and that goes back to what keeps us up at night, right? Like, it's like, mm. what else can we do to help solve problems with people to give them what they need so that they can either have a sense of peace um, or be able to do their jobs well? And so, you know, it's still, it's, I would say it's a, uh, to be determined as the, as the days go on and as uh as our world begins to change, um, we have to look at those kinds of things and continue to keep evolving. Um, it's like a river, right? You put your foot in and it, it's not the same every time uh, the wave comes by. There's constant flow and change. And, and I think as organizations, if you're not changing, if you're not providing your employees with resources or um, understanding that I think what ends up happening is that your organization might become stagnant. Um, so I think if there's anybody looking for for uh, new opportunities, it's not only career development that they want, but they want to know that the people that they work with are going to provide good camaraderie. That they're like-minded people that want to learn and continue to grow um, in an organization. So, well,
1: well put. And um, if so, um, and we are almost at the end of this conversation. So, if um, our listeners and viewers um, or, or, or other HR leaders are say they want to start uh, in this DII journey. What would you suggest um, the two to three steps that they can take now tactically uh, to have a good start picking something from your experience if you can walk us?
0: Well, I love what Mark said. Mark's talked about his uh, company creating a group, right? And 10 to 12 people started to form. It it was very similar with us. Um, They actually formed in 2019, but uh, became more active in 2020. So we had a a couple of groups that, that started, we have our, we call it our EEC, our employee engagement council, Mm -hmm. the DEI group. And then what formed this year um, in August was a pair, we call it caregivers, So it's parents and caregivers. Um, So we Mm -hmm. have to think about that too, right? It's not just people who are taking care of their children, but that maybe they're taking care of of their, of their mother or father. Um, And so they came together and from that, I think um, those groups are gonna tell you what they need. And in some cases, our caregivers didn't even know what they needed and how to get it or what was out there. So really what's key, listening skills. Um, and so going in and listening to what your employees have to say, and you know, we did so many surveys last year. It was like, do you wanna return to the office survey? Do you, you, know, What do you need survey? Do you, what do you need for your home office survey? Um, and so, continue to listen and ask questions. I think is really important, um, and using you know technology to do that to make it easier um, will be really key, especially for organizations that have small HR departments.
1: Very good point, um, Mark. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah. So when I when I think tactically, like you said, on on what can you do, I think uh, I think you know first and foremost having very very vocal support from from senior leadership is absolutely critical, and you know that the that the organization hears that this is a priority, and this is this is something that is top of mind for the company's senior leaders. Um, I think second, you know, to start out with tactically, open the conversation, provide a forum for people to really just just talk about it, and and try to create a space where people from Regardless of what background they're they're coming from, you know, and and you know that they feel comfortable uh, voicing their um, their concerns and challenges related to the uh, um, related to the topic, and then finally to the point uh Kathy brought up, really really encouraging that um, that sort of activism among among employees, and when you see that energy of employees wanting to sort of self. Um, Self-organize to 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 make change, to encourage it, and provide you know, real resources for it. Give them a budget, you know. Give them you know the time and space to be able to uh, to, to work on it. Uh, those would, those would be the things I think uh, I think tactically to start. Uh, further down the road, you might start thinking then about about okay, now that we've started these conversations, let's think about what we want to do in terms of our hiring pipeline and how we how we address that. And what do we do to build that inclusive culture? But a lot of that is just, you know, is just having the conversations happen internally in the first place.
0: Actually, that makes me think of a conversation, Mark. And I don't know if you started thinking about this or not, but we have, I remember our first employees that started in like March and April that we extended offers, they never even came into the office. Um, and or met a, a person face to face, and so we have a lot of that those situations right now because it's a year later, and we hired probably thirty or forty people um, and so you know how do you get people in your organization to you know a, around you know getting people to embrace that we have people who've never met others face to face right.
2: So like, how do you, how do you kind of encourage the, the the conversation and the openness, you mean among people that have never met each other? Yeah, it's, there's almost like, a,
0: you know, when you meet somebody face to face, whether it's you're in a company and you get to shake their hand, or you're standing by the water cooler, the bevy machine, as they like to say now, um, you know, when you're doing that, that's, you can create a bond just on small talk. And so now that small talk is 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 gone, right? Like you start meetings and they they go uh, in most cases. And so new hires might not have um, might not have an ability. Then I almost think there's a technology that we need to create um, that that will help people bring them together to personalize who they are. I don't know, some some thought like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think we we use Slack for that. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. Before the pandemic, I didn't really, I didn't, really, I didn't really get the world's fascination with Slack because it always seemed like, well, if you're gonna send an email, send an email. If you're gonna have a conversation, have a conversation. But I found Slack to be tremendously valuable uh, during during the pandemic because the sort of um, you know drive bys at people's desks. Hey, you drop by and you just have a conversation. Hey, we haven't met yet. I want to get to know you, or just you know, you know, chat about such and such topic. Um, you know that Slack has provided the forum, I think, to be able to do that virtually. So, um, so I always have Slack open. It's always it's always popping up. Can it be distracting? Sure, but um, but I, I find that it creates that. The other thing that I think my, that I think is helpful to do, and it's hard to do in practice, is. You know, maybe allow a little time for that small talk at the beginning of meetings, even if it means scheduling the meeting a little bit longer than you than you really need. Um you know, I, I, I find I find myself doing that um just, you know, you know, on an ad hoc basis, but it might it might be a good thing to 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 actually do intentionally. But you're right, it's a um it's, it's a challenge, especially when you're talking about these, these sensitive, difficult topics. And I think that's where, if we get to take it back to, to DEI in particular, I think that's where having um, uh, experienced outside facilitators is really helpful because, because when you're dealing with a group of people that haven't really gotten to know each other, having that facilitation can really help to, uh, to, to spark that conversation and get people open.
0: Yeah, great. Yeah, no, I love Slack for that reason, too. Uh-huh. Um, I, the only thing is, like, so one of the things that you just made me think of an idea that we could do, uh-huh. which is maybe when there's a new hire starting, we go, we can post their picture on Slack as well and give, like, maybe some fun facts about the person. And maybe there's just going to be a channel called New Hires. That
2: might be, mm-hmm. that might yeah. be good actually so, I, I'm yeah, right to about the fun fact we actually we have an we have a weekly all hands meeting um uh, at our company and actually when the pandemic started we made it twice a week for a period of time just to keep everybody uh, everybody connected but mm-hmm. one thing that we do at the all hands is every time we have somebody new who started we have their their manager introduce them briefly they 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 talk about their background and then they have to have a fun fact about themselves that they uh, that they provide so we we do that, and we do it live, and um, and I think that helps too because we're small enough that we can bring the whole company together in that sort of uh, in that sort of um, forum.
1: So, so one a... one 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 example yeah. I can uh, if if I can pitch in. So one example I was I was talking to someone about this this challenge of uh, people are not talking to and 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 he was saying that uh, one of the one of the struggle that um, and and again so they're a large company about um, uh, twenty thousand workers. And, and, and you were saying that earlier work and life used to be pretty pretty different, right? So work and then there's life. And Cathy, you brought up a very interesting point. Now, if you the camera is on, the life is like there's no sort of work. And, and they said that they always used to be in work, a lot of life swirls. And in life, a lot of work swirls. That used to give you slightly lead into what's going on. But right now, that piece is gone and, and it's, it's it's adding a lot more pressure so what this particular company does, it's it's pretty fascinating. So they created a a page, and in that page, um, basically, it just two random people shows up, and then they have to talk. So that's the idea. Mm. So we so you're, you're 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 talking to random people all the time, right? So yeah. and that takes the fear out. That brings that help people connect. That they're they're more than these guys. They'll and and pretty much like they have uh, and and the program has been really successful in their company. And, mm. and they said that whenever you open that page, they know who is opening. And then it it one of their coder dev- uh, designed that page, and they were thinking of making it public um, at okay. some point. But that's that's one one interesting hack, so pretty pretty, yeah, pretty remarkable.
0: I, I love that. I love that. We we do something similar uh, with Slack and something called a donut. Hmm.
2: Yeah, we we use the yeah.
0: donut app as well. <laughs> yeah, so it's so awesome. So we do uh, three people coffee. Tea, Oh, your, your favorite bevy um, and uh, you have a chance to meet randomly um, two other people besides yourself and you have uh, an hour to talk with each other and get to know each other. And what, what I think we found, or at least I've done at least three of those in the last uh, six or seven months, is that you find commonalities of things. You just talk until you find something. And uh, and you find commonalities, and then you walk away and you go, "Oh, I know that person. We like dance, mm. we like the same kind of dance, uh, or same kind of music." Um, and then you know you get a little sneak peek into someone. I love those things. I we need more. Mm. We need more. We need more. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> That's interesting. an interesting nuance of what you of what you said. That seems like a small detail, but it could make a difference. Is that you do it in threes rather than twos? Mm. We've been we've been doing. Then you'll be. Do you do you find that doing that that setting those those meetings up as three people, um, you know, really remove some of the pressure? Like, what what is what are the advantages of doing it that way?
0: Yeah, I definitely think it does, um, especially. So we, you know, there's introverts and extroverts. I'm right on the border. I can be an introvert and and not talk to anybody all day, and I'm fine. And other days, I might need to have you know social interaction. So, but there are people who are truly introverted and might not necessarily want to share an hour conversation with someone else. So having that third person kind of takes off that, that um, that burden from just one person having to kind of carry a conversation. So that's why we pick three.
2: I like that We have a that's lot of momentum. There's the donut app, but over time you start to see fewer and fewer people taking advantage of, it, and I wonder if, doing it in groups of three, can kind of can kind of re-energize it. And then you start seeing dynamics among other people. You get a break from the conversation, you know, and you can observe. And it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting um, uh, way of doing it. And again, I thought it seemed like a, a small thing, but it can make a big difference.
0: We actually did it even before uh, the pandemic. And so what we would do is we gave employees a credit card. And so they could go to their favorite local coffee shop. All three of them would walk together and, pick whatever coffee shop they wanted and they'd usually find like the coolest one, you know, uh-huh. the best matcha or whatever. And, uh, they use them, come back, give the credit card back. And, and so we don't have that now. So I, I actually mm. suggested we've got to bring that back. Even though people are at home, they can still give them a $10 gift card. Um, and let them buy coffee and know that they'll drink it at some point. It's kind of like still going to the cafe. It's
1: a clever idea. It's a clever idea. So,
0: uh,
2: so guys, uh,
1: we're almost <laughs> in the tail end. Um, sorry, Mark, you want to say something? Yeah. Awesome. So, um, now as a closing mark um, for our listeners and viewers. So, if you want something that our listeners and viewers would take away from the conversation, from your experience leading an organization uh, into the future of work, like what would that be? What would be what would be your thought um, or takeaway that other HR leaders could 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 sort of Take from your experience, and Kathy, you can go first if you want.
0: Okay, um, I would say that when we think about technology um, and and humans, um, to find technology that helps bring people together, um, I think that's what I, I I feel from our conversation today. Like, if if you're a budding entrepreneur. Um, if you are uh, somebody who is going uh, to look for their first job or, or their next job, um, you know, find the find the elements of the next technology or company that you're going to work with that is going to really um, be able to to help enhance people's lives in whatever way, shape, or form. I think that will be really key. Beautifully
1: put, Mark.
2: So if I if I think of, think back on this uh, this conversation, I would say to sum it up in a word, the future of work is personal. That mm-hmm. it's, it's it's our our home lives and our work lives are are colliding, like you said before before Vishal. I've heard people say it's not working from home; it's living at work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's everybody has their own. Unique needs and and, and circumstances. Where, you know whether it's related to returning to the pandemic or just in regular life, that everybody has unique needs and circumstances that need to be addressed. When you think about issues of of, um, of social justice in the, in the world, everybody has their own perspectives and everybody has a valid viewpoint that needs that needs to be heard. So one of the kind of ironies is. I agree with Kathy completely about finding the technologies that, that help to support collaboration. But the interesting thing is, as the world becomes more and more um, centered on technology, it actually, um, perhaps ironically, brings out that sort of personal nature of, of work more and more. And I think what, what, what matters to the individual is going gonna, is gonna to become much more important at work going forward.
1: Beautifully put, Mark. Uh, With that, thank you, Cathy. Thank you, Mark, for being candid about uh, your experience and and helping us understand the state of organizations through COVID and helping understand the importance of DEI. From what I captured from the notes, um, I think, Mark, you put up best, uh, uh, future of work is personal. I think that's beautifully put um committee uh so build committees to help understand and create sort of this this local advocacy and and, acti- and uh, active uh, activism groups to help and 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 kathy as you rightly um said that only bring diversity to the party if inclusion is dancing so that that that's that's a beautiful way to put it with that thank you so much guys for your time uh, you're always welcome back on the podcast um, and love to have you back and discuss more into dei and and and, and the state of organization as we're going through this future of work. Thank you.
0: Thank you.
2: Thank you, I was homesick, never really knew that I would have to grow so quick.